0: You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Hey, Greg. Hey. I want to make a money, uh, sorry, a movie.
1: A movie, okay.
0: Yeah, I think we should make a money, uh, sorry, a movie of Aladdin. Okay
1: disney's aladdin yeah okay they've done that
0: yeah but it's a proven money uh i mean movie formula all right Uh, i have some notes
2: Welcome everyone to I Have Some Notes, the podcast where we shine and polish movies that are diamonds in the rough, uh, and or billion dollar international blockbusters. I'm your host, <laughs> Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. And today we are discussing the 29 fi- 2019 film Aladdin, directed by Guy Ritchie, based on the 1992 film Aladdin. <laughs>
1: Make yes. Aladdin great again. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean,
2: Aladdin was already pretty great, right? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh,
0: veritable classic. Yeah, classic enough that. Uh,
2: how old were you when it came out, Liam? I was five. I was <laughs> the perfect age for this movie. I I vividly remember getting. It wasn't the first movie I ever saw. The first movie I ever saw was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in, in a theater. Uh, but I do That's like very solid, clearly solid remember- opening
1: salvo yeah. there for your childhood.
2: Um, very clearly remember getting a big soda of some kind, pop of some kind with like a, a plastic top of like just the genie's arms and like the straw coming out of his head. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah. Just what you know, those like kids cups that have the toy yep. hanging off the stri- Classic one of those things with like probably a bendy straw. Um, yeah. I vividly remember that, and uh, remember this as fondly as any other Disney movie. Um, and this was uh, the same thing but acted out and made today.
0: Yeah, that's kind <laughs> of the current Disney formula, is let's take a movie that was popular 20 years ago and then just do that again, except with people. Or, <laughs> or in the case of The Lion King and likely the upcoming uh, recently announced Robin
2: Hood remake...
0: Uh, with uh, CGI,
2: yeah, just a different kind of gorgeous
1: animation.
0: Yeah, because the oh, original it, gorgeous it, animation for some reason doesn't hold up. Question mark.
1: Uh, sorry, are they redoing the 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 Fox animated Robin Hood? Is that what you're? Uh, oh yeah, you're no. Saying? Have you oh, not I, seen that I, announcement? I, I did not know that. No, I did not. <laughs> well, a kid, you, breaking you don't news. Have your finger on all the Disney movie forums, Greg. <laughs> I can't keep track of all the ones <laughs> that they're redoing breaking <laughs> news I, mean, I guess I should just, just assume that like whatever they've done in the past is is sooner or later they you know uh, Steamboat Mickey or whatever the fuck is called yeah. is gonna is gonna be released in theaters as a the live action
2: yeah <laughs> movie. Yes, well, this this one was uh, probably the biggest one of 2019 that they did, and I think the most successful. I shouldn't I shouldn't speculate. I don't know if it's the most successful reboot, modern reboot of these movies that they've done, but it sure as hell made a crazy amount of money. Uh, it made over a billion dollars, and it cost them one point. Uh, sorry, not one uh, One hundred eighty-three million dollars to make. So,
0: yeah, that's that's a pretty good return on your investment. Very good return.
1: Yeah.
2: So much so that they announced a sequel already? Yep. Almost immediately, yeah. Uh, Because it's bankable. I mean, you really can't go wrong. Uh, Guy Ritchie directed it. uh, Will Smith, uh, Mina Masood, Naomi Scott, and Marwan Kenzari are uh, sort of the main cast. Uh, And yeah, Will Smith uh, is just like a bankable movie star. Probably the only, like, I was trying to think, like, who else could you get to sort of fill Robin Williams' shoes? Like... Will Smith's an agreeable actor. Like, everyone Yeah, I yeah. Like, no
0: one's, no one's, like, this is the elephant in the room. No one is going to measure up to Robin Williams' iconic performance as the genie in the original Aladdin. And you could have hired literally any actor or comedian in Hollywood, and they wouldn't have been able to get out from under that shadow. But if you're looking for someone just kind of universally beloved and agreeable, you it's hard to go wrong with Will Smith.
1: Yeah. And clearly Will Smith is is having a lot of fun. Oh which is yeah. good. I mean like he, you know, it's it's nice to see uh Will Smith in, enjoying himself. Uh, I don't know. Some of his uh, more recent affairs have have uh have seemed like he's just going through the motions kind of uh pulling a Bruce Willis of sorts, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, you're, you're right, Scott, like like Bruce, or um, uh, Robin Williams is irreplaceable as the, as the genie. He is the genie as much as the genie is him, so it's just uh, one of those impossible tasks to foist upon an actor.
0: Yeah, but again, Will Smith uh, does pretty well, and as you said, he's, he's clearly having a good time doing it. Like, he is having fun in this movie, and it's kind of infectious, and once you get over that initial hump of seeing him as the genie, you, you kind of get used to it and it starts
2: to fit and you're like, yeah, okay, I see it now i'm I'm down with this, yeah, I don't even know that it was like any kind of stark adjustment like I mean it was a, an iconic role, but i, I definitely wasn't like uh, I'm strapping in for a genie that isn't uh uh robin williams um I, I was I was charmed by him right away this whole this whole movie was was really quite charming like i I, I definitely have some notes, but i feel like most of the things to say about this movie sort of exist in like the meta context um like sort of like why it's made how it's made uh the movie itself you know like the cultural context of it uh the movie just in a vacuum start to finish is like pretty darn enjoyable yeah it's it's pretty okay um
0: if you weren't in our watch party and I know you weren't because it yeah. was just because it was just me, Greg and Aaron. Uh, we kind of as preamble, we're all just dreading going into this. We were like, this is gonna be just like painful slog to get through. And halfway through the movie, Greg and Aaron were both like, okay, we're actually like laughing at parts and we're kind of having a good time. And they the way that Aaron worded that in the chat was, like, she was kind of ashamed to admit it, that, <laughs> that they were kind of enjoying the movie. And I was like, no, it, it's not bad. It's actually pretty enjoyable on the surface. It's yeah, got it's got I, some it's, issues, but...
1: It's just that I think, like, maybe I was in... Just the fact that I was dreading it a little bit maybe put me in the perfect mindset for this, for being able to enjoy it a little bit, just because my expectations were low. I, I've not been interested at all in any of these Disney remakes I have not seen B- Beauty and the Beast I, yeah. I'm not really interested in seeing the Lion King um, th- there's I don't know it like it's it keeps sounding to me like th- they're a lot of them are, are pretty close to shot for shot remakes with a f- with a, a couple minor twists and that doesn't excite me at all and and I've said it on this show many many times that a remake, for me requires a reason to exist it needs to justify its existence to me and while this movie has some good comedic sequences um and and is not unwatchable it's it's perfectly watchable um you know i'm i am absolutely certain a month from now i will have forgotten watching it entirely that's uh, that's fair.
2: Well, uh, maybe you'll. We'll see if we can get the the songs out of your head in the next twenty minutes, though. Uh, <laughs> as we go to the trailer. You stumbled upon an opportunity. I can make you rich, rich enough to impress a princess. What would I have to do? There's a cave of wonders. Bring me the lamp. great one who summons me, I stand by my oath, loyalty to wishes three. I'm kidding, watch this. Hey, can you make me a prince?
0: There is a lot of gray area in make me a prince. I could just
2: make you a prince. Really? I thought a princess could go anywhere. Not this princess. Do you trust me?
0: thief finds a lamp genie comes out gives him three wishes you
1: you've
2: seen it you get it
1: yeah we don't need to belabor the point of what aladdin is right (laughs) everybody knows the story it's all good
2: yeah it's real that's that's the thing i like about some of the modern superhero movies where they're like we don't need to see peter parker get bit by the the spider again we can just we all know yeah we all know it. It's in these, it's in the cultural zeitgeist, and yet people. In some were ways, I would argue that this,
1: that this movie tries to like tries to gloss over some of uh, some of its plot points just because it feels like you might understand them already, like the uh, um, uh, cave of wonders. I felt like that just kind of zipped by in the opening sequence during a kind of musical number, and I didn't really get a good introduction to it. And having not seen. Uh, Aladdin for quite some time probably not since I was a teenager I was kind of like what? what was that again sorry what does that do what does that big
2: growly cave do yeah and it's just like outside of town like it's just like <laughs> yeah geographically it's just like <laughs> people in Agrabah
0: probably like every other night are woken up to the rumbling sounds of the cave of wonders going oh god just find the diamond in the rough already I'm trying to sleep
2: teenagers make out
0: there
1: like it's (laughs) 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 yeah (laughs) and it also like it kind of glosses over like the like in the in the original movie there's you know a good sequence that introduces the cave of wonders and what it is and the fact that it's like a hard it's a it's a secret you know there's like a jewel that you have to um put together in order to even access it right so there's a there's a whole good sequence that introduces Uh, what the Cave of Wonders is and what the rules are. Whereas in the remake, it just kind of just like, whatever, we don't don't need to worry about that. And and you kind of get a refresh of what the Cave of Wonders is when Aladdin is finally standing in front of it halfway through the movie.
0: Yeah. I suppose there's something to be said about setting it up as kind of like a mystery and then answering the question of what is that all about, like toward the end of Act One.
1: Yeah, I think it's a little bit more fun that way, and and and, and having like I I rewatched the original Aladdin this uh, this afternoon just to refresh my memory on it, and you know the the two movies are really not that different, and uh, the the differences that exist, um, the the choices that the 2019 movie has made um, are are none of them are really improvements. Or even really lateral moves. Most of them, to to my eye, uh, are are um, detriments. Like cosmetic. Well, it's not. It's just like some of the some of the the moves, uh, like the the sideways moves on the plot. Um, um, some rejigging of of uh, Jafar. Uh, for example, he clocks uh, Aladdin as the prince really quickly in the 2019 movie whereas in the original he doesn't figure that out until after he had tried to kill aladdin and it's just like it, it, it's just the way that it works in the original just is is much more satisfying and and a little less i don't know uh a little less messy i would say
2: actually i have a question then because i was I, I i didn't get a chance to like go back and watch the first one either but there's a there's I can't remember if it happens in the original too but is there like nickel and diming of whether he's lying about like he's obviously lying that's that's part of the story but like there's this thing where he's like no 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 I'm a prince and when you met me I was lying about being a thief because the opposite of being like, I'm a thief who's lying about being a prince is like worse or something like that seemed like really specific minutia that this the 2019 movie got into that. I'm like, didn't need or care about. Yeah, that no, actually is in he, the original.
1: Yeah, he first she discovers him as a, as a thief and then he, he arrives, you know, at the palace as a prince and then she figures out she understands she knows she, it's Aladdin. Yeah, she figures that out quite quickly. And then he's like, oh, yeah, but like I just dress up as, as a commoner for fun and okay. and in the and in the cartoon she has a whole sequence where she does that herself because she she runs away from the palace and she disguises herself yeah and she's because and she, she's never allowed out right Um, uh, so there's there's good reason for her to be like oh okay i understand that and and this movie does that too except that um when we we meet jasmine when she's first when she's already out amongst the people, so you don't mm-hmm. get you don't get that setup of like I'm stuck inside, I can't go anywhere, and she she doesn't have like a a, a talk with her dad about having problems with all of it. So it's kind of like the setup is backwards.
2: It's sort of what you were saying, the thing of like they just assume you know certain plot points. Yeah, or they, or they or they just that.
1: they just made they just remixed it in a way that made it worse. You know, and that's like most of the movie for me.
0: Yeah. I have nothing I, to add to that. That that sure. is pretty
2: succinct. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you guys? Do you guys feel like um, Jafar didn't work for you?
2: Yeah, he, he's, he's kind of weak casting. He
0: is the weakest link in the movie, and that's saying something because the rest of the the rest of the cast is actually really quite solid. I felt like everyone was very charming, and uh, and seemed to like really get their part and uh for all of the like dancing and the singing they were all really good it's but Jafar
1: just didn't quite work i um i don't know if i had a problem with the performance of the actors so much as just um maybe a little bit of um Jafar's motivations and his and, and the goal he was working towards because it it didn't it didn't always seem super clear to me like, uh, what did attacking another nebulous city that we never saw or, her, or or and didn't see anybody from, like, what did that have to do with him being Sultan? I don't. Yeah, I it's, really understand it's
0: that. never made clear why he has such a hate on for this other city, and the only reason that it has any stakes is because at one point I think Jasmine has a throwaway line about how her mother came from that city uh and oh, that's yeah, right. that's literally it and but it's never clear why he wants to attack it at all except because bad guys
2: want to start wars
0: i guess question yeah. mark yeah
2: and yeah, like that to me g- kind of giving it more of a thought yeah there's a lot of these things where it really leans on just like your sort of assumptions
1: yeah yeah i think you're i think you're right like I, or or it just wasn't well thought through you know, like in the original cartoon, they just like he he wants to be Sultan. That's his key goal. Um, it, it's there's nothing there's nothing else that really goes on with like his nefarious plans until he until he gets until he gets desperate. And then he just decides like um, like he 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 hypnotizes Jasmine's father. And then he's basically like, uh, I'm going to marry your daughter kind of thing. Right. So the, the his his evil plan sort of evolves with uh, with the, his situation. A little bit um whereas Jafar in the 2019 movie I I don't know he just doesn't seem as clever and one thing that really bugged me was that his hypnotizing snake thing never worked yeah not uh, once <laughs> <laughs> like like that was kind of frustrating because like I like if if he's going to seem like a nefarious villain like I need to see him do nefarious things Like it's it's weird to it's weird to like set up it's weird to try and set up, you know, what that that staff can do by having it fail miserably. You know, again and again and again. And
0: then the one time that (laughs) it actually kind of works, it immediately gets destroyed.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was pretty effective at pushing Aladdin out of the window. That's that one it did. (laughs) It did did function as a stick in that moment. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> so it wasn't entirely useless. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: I mean, obviously, uh, in terms of sort of things that we might want to keep or cut, uh, all, you know, what, honestly, all the songs, they're all it's they're good. They, they slap. They're all bangers.
0: Yeah, they could have been better. And I, I mean, I'll get into that when we get into the second half of the podcast. Mm-hmm. I think. I think that they're not as good as they were in the animated version. Um, I think they came up a little flat. They're fine and they're enjoyable, but I don't think they quite measure up. And I think that if you were going to remake this movie, that was where you needed to focus: is you needed to crank those up to eleven. Yeah. And I have, it, I have a solution to that. We'll get into that later. I, um, actually, I have,
1: the, uh, I, I have, I'll, I'll agree with you for the most part on the songs. I mean, because they're fine. And most of them are from the original, which yes. is yeah, like you say, they're all good songs. And yeah. the 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 new sequences, like mm-hmm. the new song for Jasmine, um, I think that's probably a hard cut. yeah uh, that's Agreed. that's the one song where it's just like I like uh, for me, I, I, I don't love musicals. Um, this type of movie where where it's mostly, know, a standard affair and then there's some music interspliced. That's about as far as I go with musicals for the most part. I don't I don't like the heavier types. Um uh, but it usually like a musical scene will just lift me right out of the the film. Um and this and this one the the Jasmine's uh, I won't be silent song did that more than anything because I I, it, it seemed to almost come out of nowhere um and I know a lot of musical numbers do but like yeah. this one really just like I didn't like because suddenly like she gets she's getting carried away uh, by some guards after um Jafar is uh, essentially one at that point and and then she just starts she starts singing and she's talking about not being silenced and her guards like disintegrate and disappear and I was like okay well, what's happening and uh, and then she goes back into uh, the Sultan's room where everybody was and and continues to sing everyone out of existence. <laughs> and 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 the message of the song is like, uh, you know, I I won't stay silent. Like I'm going to like everyone's going to you know, hear what I have to say. I'm not going to be uh, I'm not going to be a, a sh- any kind of shrinking violet or anything like that. But like at no point in the movie is she ever is that part of her character? You know, she's she's very she's. Uh, she's confident she's um she lets people know what she thinks like there's like it's not part it's, of her character arc yeah at it's all. not a breakthrough it, like at... it just didn't understand why it was in the movie
0: yeah it's not a breakthrough at that moment like it's not the culmination of her arc or anything where she finds her voice and and becomes like the the strong and assertive leader that she needs to be at that point because she's always been that strong and assertive leader
1: yeah, yeah.
2: like right it's absolutely an, an observation i, I uh... Observed, witnessed in a Lindsay Ellis video, but like the, in the cartoon, yeah. she there's even a point where she says to Aladdin, Jafar, and the Sultan in the original cartoon, "I'm not going to let the three of you just like boss me around and decide what's going to happen in my life," and like you know, fucks right off. Uh, and there's not that's a perfectly cool, confident moment. Uh, yeah. And th- this movie has nothing like that.
0: the The other weird thing about that musical number uh, and the way it's shot is that every other musical number in the movie is um is real like let, let me let me clarify that like it happens yeah. in the world people are interacting with it like it's a thing that's happening <laughs> and then that one turns into this like weird inside your head thing with no indication that that's happening so when the guards disintegrate we were all like what is happening uh because none of the other musical numbers took place in like a weird moment of fantasy. They were all mm-hmm. things yeah. that happened for real. And then this one is like inside her head in that moment. And it was so different than all of the other musical numbers that it actually took all of us out of the movie for a
1: minute. Cause we were confused what was happening. That's an excellent point, Scott. Yeah. That, that really illustrates why it was so jarring. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe Jafar's I... wand
2: was backfiring. <laughs>
1: Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I would cut out of the the musical numbers is um there was a, there was occasionally a slight speed up and slow down of the film speed and I and I could not figure out why it was there and why they were doing it
0: yeah Did I caught that too it, especially during the um during the opening uh, not the opening number but uh, the number where Aladdin and Jasmine are are racing through the the streets
2: yeah. one jump head of the brand light yeah
0: one jump that that's that song there's there's a couple moments where like things slow down into slow motion for a moment or speed up really quickly and it was it was a it was a choice it was a choice that's, that happened this guy
2: Ritchie, baby what are you talking about <laughs>
1: yeah but it was so it was so subtle that it looked wrong I mean, I know that's part of his style, but like it didn't it, it just looked. it just looked like someone had, uh, you know, when it looked to, to me, it looked like they had uh, filmed the original sequence. Uh, with a song that was playing at the wrong speed, and then when they got to the editing bay, they're like, "Oh, this isn't the right speed. We're gonna have to speed up the film in order to to, to match the actual timing
2: of the song." I wonder if it has anything to do with three D. Oh, maybe was the movie like in 3D? if he's if he's doing sweet parkour moves through the streets of Agrabah, and his like you know his knees are coming up out of the screen, it would <laughs> slow down, so you get this shot of like him and Abu like you know catching air. Slows mm. down a bit with some of the notes, and then back into like the action. Probably it was probably for a, for three D effect. Could be, uh, could be. That's actually a good yeah. catch. Yeah.
0: On that note, like if we're talking about other things to cut, I would cut Guy Ritchie, but I have good reasons <laughs> for that. <laughs> yeah. But I I have odd. a reason for that.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, was there anything that you guys really liked and and would want to overall keep?
1: I mean, I like, suppose I'll. Uh, you know i'd keep i'd keep the cast largely i mean yep. i thought they were all quite good um i didn't
2: uh i i, I uh i agreed with what you would you had said about most of the songs being flat i think except for the one when he's like showing up as prince aliba or uh as a prince that one i think is better than the original because they like really make a, a to-do out of it
0: i Disagree vehemently, but uh, no. <laughs> I think I think it uh, I think it is, if anything, the the very picture of uh, one that could have been bigger and better and was kind of flat.
1: Hmm. I'm, I'm not I, saying it's not good. I, I, I think I just do think, 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 think I'm on it's Liam. Great. I think I'm on Liam's side on this. I think it was. I don't know if it was like it was, it was better. It was at the very least, it was the more or less the same. You like, guys yeah.
0: <laughs> have been charmed by the fact that it's the best musical number in the show but it's, <laughs> still, it's, it's like, still it's like it's like it's still not as good as it could be. <laughs> That's fair. Uh I want to give a special shout out to them having added a character who now I'm like I, I like I love that character and I wish that they had been in the oh, yeah. or, in retrospect in the original Aladdin cartoon and that is Princess Jasmine's handmaiden Dahlia.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm very rarely for more like you know, just like love interests for love interests sakes, but I actually thought this like really kind of gave the genie something to do and gave her like she was just a really interesting character and well, fun and to it watch. I would it also gave agree. Yeah and it gave Jasmine. It made it made the
1: the genie's loop work, where yeah. he's he's the merchant at the beginning telling the story and, and at the end it's the genie who has who has um been married and, and is now a merchant, I guess, on the sea.
0: It also
2: yeah. uh Oh, I derailed my train of thought, sorry. Well, she's just, like, a great character, too. Like she's, well, yeah. Like, oh, and, I think uh, you were going to uh, say it I, gives Jasmine a bounce off of.
0: Yeah, it gives it gives Jasmine another character, like, a more sympathetic character to bounce off of. Uh, because in the original movie, she's just at odds with everybody for most of the movie. But here she has, like, a confidant who she can mm-hmm. talk to and bounce off of and scheme with. And that was that was a nice addition. Like, it was actually a pretty smart choice to add her in. Not just as a potential romantic pairing for Genie, but also mm-hmm. just to give Jasmine someone uh, on her side
1: that she can play with in the movie. Yes, I, I'm I'm gonna compliment the movie and then insult it right okay. afterwards. <laughs> like the, there's a the, the sequence where um, Jasmine is trying to lie to Aladdin, who is now Ali the Prince, that she is. Or no, no, this is what, sorry, yeah. this is, he's still, he's a, still Aladdin. He is broken and She's trying to convince him that she's the commoner. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's like, so there's a lot of like a lot of double lying going on, but that whole sequence where she was um, trying to get that her handmaiden to say that she was the princess was quite funny and I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, my only, my only issue with it is, is that, the extra layer of, of Jasmine's lies on top of Aladdin's lies um, may have needlessly complicated things.
0: Yeah, maybe a little. He figures out what's really going on pretty quick as soon as Jafar naps him, though. So Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, Jafar straight up tells him what's going on at that juncture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, while I did not really think Jafar worked, I did like the addition... Of his little backstory where he came from nothing and aspired to greatness and it was also an interesting way to set up his thieving skills later on and I think that 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 was one of the few things for Jafar for me that worked
1: he knew at a five-finger discount like the best of them
2: I even yeah when it when the scene when he grabs the lamp in the like yellow ribbons and I'm like Oh, it's like yeah. Someone he put he had a lackey, and then he pulls his hat down or pulls his hood down, and it's him. I'm like, oh, he, buddy's getting his hands dirty. Like he's in the shit. Like he's, um, it, yeah. I I would have I just in that moment I assumed it was like a, someone one of his lackeys, and I'm like the fact that he was like in the streets waiting it out was I was like okay yeah. Seemed like it was yeah, it was a cool villain. He doesn't moment. seem
1: to have very many lackeys in in this version in the uh, in the cartoon he's got like uh, almost an entire army who's working for him yeah it's it's a l it's
0: kind of in the background that because he's the vizier, the soldiers in the palace are kind of following him right up until he like enacts his coup <laughs> and they're and they're called to task at which point they're like no we like we don't answer to you we we're loyal to the sultan, which was well, kind that, of a nice this, turn <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah this brings up something that like that i i <laughs> was kind of hilarious to me when I was watching it it was like when jafar wishes to be the sultan right and and genie makes him the sultan quote unquote it's like he just gave him a sultan hat yeah and he i was just... like i was like i was like well does anybody have to follow the hat <laughs> and yeah, and I then thought it was and good. then and then so and i assume what was going to happen was like the guards just all considered him the sultan, the sultan now yeah. like uh, uh, the, you know they didn't have any free will about it they just considered him the sultan but then then they did the opposite of what i thought was going to happen they just like the the guard just decided that oh you're not the sultan and i was like oh well that kind of like strips all the attention out of that scene
0: yeah genie magic uh did not do the trick there he wished to be sultan and apparently he could have just called himself the sultan yesterday
2: and that would have been as effective as Genie's yeah he didn't magic. Need
1: a, he didn't need a genie I at even, all yeah, yeah i
2: even thought it was gonna set up a thing of like um maybe like how the genie can't make you love someone so it's like you like love your king and it's like mm. we don't we we love this guy you can't make him i even thought it was gonna go there i see what they did they tried to give jasmine like a way to show her leadership skills by by talking the the soldiers yeah. into you know but yeah you're right there's no he he blew a wish, I mean
1: you could argue that um, there's a theme of the wishes never working out the way that the wisher intended, which is um, to be
0: fair like very true to the original genie stories is yeah, that you yeah. wish you wish for a thing and it never quite works out the way you want,
1: yeah so it's it. it you could argue that that's a perfectly valid way for the, like he he wishes he wishes something without thinking of the details and then it instantly blows up in in his face which is uh it's not it's just weird it, it just didn't play well for me in, in the in the moment but um i can i can also be convinced that it's a perfectly valid on um, the direction
0: on the subject of uh genie magic that kind of comes off a little wonky. We were joking in the chat while we were watching, uh, when everybody starts calling him out on the fact that a, Babwa is not a real place. And Jasmine is one of the first ones who's like, why don't you point to a Babwa on a map? And, <laughs> and he's trying to like get Genie's attention to help him out on this one. And we were, we were joking that, uh, this is something that they pulled off in a Knight's Tale without Genie magic, making up, a a a noble and the country he came from, and convincing everyone that it was true. So the joke became that a knight's tales con was in fact better than genie magic.
2: So <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, let's see what kind of magic we can uh, work on this script after we hear some from our fabulous sponsors. This episode of I Have Some Notes is brought to you by Storylines, a podcast from Women in Film and Television, Alberta. Storylines highlights some of our province's most successful women in film and television, both behind the camera and in front of it. Host Sheena Rossiter is herself a filmmaker, and she has had some deep and instructive conversations with trailblazers and experts in the field, like documentary filmmaker Alexandra Lazarowicz, in a recent episode. Find storylines on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find it at wifta.ca. That's W I F T A.ca. Welcome back to the show. We're talking about Aladdin, the 2019 film uh, directed by Guy Ritchie. I know off the top. Uh, Scott, you had mentioned uh, Guy Ritchie. Let's uh, let's get into the notes on this movie.
0: Yeah, I was saying that we should maybe switch out Guy Ritchie for a different director. And I'll admit that my knee-jerk reaction upon watching this film was to suggest maybe this movie should be a little more Bollywood. And again, that was my knee-jerk reaction. But we actually got some correspondence from Aaron Fraser. Over at the Bollywood is for Lovers podcast, prior to recording this, that gave us quite a bit of food for thought, actually, and we feel is pertinent because it, it brings in uh, a discussion about uh, about the culture, and yeah. I think that this is like a good time to to bring that up. and And Greg, I think you're the one who was actually having the correspondence with her, so so maybe you're the one who should uh, kick us off on that.
2: I also say I don't think you're the only one who had that knee-jerk reaction. I was I was sort of on board with you there too. Well no, yeah, and even, in fact, even Greg, uh, yeah.
1: Scott, you're um one of the ch- well, YouTube channels you watch quite vehemently and, and recommend a lot. of Lindsay Ellis I had also said that it should have been more of a Bollywood movie. So it's it's a it's a common refrain and uh, Aaron Fraser um, warned us to, to to guard against that um, um, because of, of so many um, film critics who who had mentioned that uh, the Bollywood ness of it could have been turned up quite a bit more, um, and and essentially that could be implying that Indian pop culture and Middle Eastern pop culture are somewhat interchangeable, and I had. I th- I was I was happy that she reached out to us because I, 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 like you, Scott, had a moment when I was watching the film. It was when they the during the ballroom dance scene. Yep. There's a there was a real Bollywood quality to, to that particular scene. And I had that same thought. I, I was like, oh, OK, this I get it. Like, you know, we're, we're going for like a bit more of a Bollywood thing. And then I thought, well, you know, it's not an Indian film. and it's not set in Indian and I and I kind of felt like slightly ignorant for having having thought that Um, I have a really tough time in this particular space of um, you know this brings up all sorts of things of like cultural appropriation and um, uh, and um, how complicated that would be depending on who is working on the film and um and does does the producer of that film does that matter too if it's if it's like soulless white you know Disney company well yeah making, and there's making like, a Bollywood movie that's like that's that's not set in India or whatever, does that make a difference for how you know, that culture appropriation may be viewed or yeah. is it even a well, cult- cultural appropriation? Is you it know, cultural like,
0: appropriation it seems- for Disney to even be making Aladdin in the first place? And yeah. then is it, yeah. is it even kind of worse if they're making an Indian style movie about a Middle Eastern story from a North American perspective? And that's, that's a fair criticism. And that's still the reason why I think we should jettison Guy Ritchie as director. But rather than bring in a Bollywood director, I think maybe they should have reached out to a Middle Eastern director and had maybe someone from that culture and steeped in that culture bring their eye to it and bring their vision to that to that very Middle Eastern story. Maybe that was the way to go with this.
1: I think that is um, a thing that... Um you know, when it comes to uh, the face of their film, Disney is more than happy to um, look the part in terms of you know being a more woke looking movie, right? You know, they cat especially with Aladdin, where they've you know they've cast um, all Mr. Middle Eastern actors and uh, actresses um, aside from the the Swede dude, which we somehow didn't talk about. Well, and let's be fair, Will Smith. Yeah, yeah. But it's only on the surface, right? Like, the face of our film is, you know, minorities and things like that. But uh, underneath it, the director is, is still, you know, a white guy, the writer, so on and so forth. So... At least I think I haven't looked up actually who the writer is of this movie. I just kind of assume that that's the writer is probably uh, right, white as well because I, all I have Wikipedia up and I just
2: hovered. I hovered over John August and it's it's Mister Clean. So yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I think you're right, Scott. Like I think I think passing it on to a, a Middle Eastern director is the is the right way to go because um, it's it, you know, it's almost impossible to. A really um, give uh, a movie the flavor of a culture without you know having someone who is steeped in it um, be building it from the ground up and mm-hmm. and and you know this is part of the reason why I you know I think Hollywood struggles so mightily with this is that um, you can't you can't escape who you are when you're a screenwriter yeah and you can be you can be asked to write for, for minorities, but I feel like it not only is, is, is that difficult, but it's, it's also, I think, I think there's an inherent fear with, from, a from writers to be doing that because I, I know how I would feel if I was asked to write for oh, like a black person or something like that, because like, I was like, I don't like, how do I know that I'm, I'm writing this, authentically like or 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 that i'm representing them correctly it's not even writers
2: like every every person who has a hand in the craft of making a movie brings that that perspective to it i it was uh, i was this many years old when it was pointed out to me um that a lot of movies will put like a weird like sepia filter over shots of the middle east or mexico Mm -hmm. um and i'm like and it was they showed it side by side but like of what you know the uh, any other part of the world looks like on any given day. It's mostly sunny skies, uh, and then next to it, uh, a f- footage from a movie where it's yeah. It's, they called it like the shithole filter of like <clears throat> making yeah. the sky look dark and crappy over you know Iraq or Mexico City, uh, and it's like it, every everyone who makes the movie has a hand in like uh, projecting and amplifying those like you know cultural blind spots or full on biases. Yeah. And maybe that's yeah. the reason why you you give
0: the the vision for a movie like this to someone from that culture, so that yeah, they absolutely. can so they're going to be bringing their own biases to it, but they're going to be bringing biases to it that are that are appropriate to the place, right? And so it gives you the opportunity to see that that place and that time through different eyes, and maybe that is what would allow the movie to stand on its own against the classic cartoon, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, as I as I mentioned off the top, like your your remakes need to justify their existence, and and a remake, you know, told from um, you know a completely different perspective culturally from from the original, I think would have some value. Oh, absolutely, yeah. no question.
2: And also, I mean, we've got Guy Ritchie, and they didn't put a special song in the soundtrack. I, I don't know what we're even doing here. Uh, he can go. Uh, <laughs>
1: I, I kind of feel like it, within this conversation we've kind of almost like nullified of our ability to move forward and attempt to try and fix this ourselves. I got an easy <laughs> one. No, I got, I got,
2: I got, I got two. I'm, I'm I got two easy ones. First off, if we are going to keep Guy Ritchie, I want to hear the specials. And then the second one is uh, they should have kept uh, Gilbert Gilbert Godfrey as the voice of Iago. Yeah, there's, I actually no reason no, re- no no disrespect to Alan Dudick, but. Gilbert Godfrey is alive and well. Uh, I can't imagine he would turn this down. Should have been Gilbert Godfrey.
0: I, I said that in the chat while we were watching this. Like, that parrot should still be voiced by Gilbert Godfrey. There's I, no reason. I bet Alan Tudyk talking. said it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of become their, like, good luck charm. He He's slowly turning into, like, the next Frank Welker, where if people need an animal voice, they go to Alan Tudyk. Um, I think we can still make some structural changes to the movie, even if even if we're not necessarily going to be trying to come at it from a cultural perspective. We all identified some weak points that I think could could Mm -hmm. still be touched up. Like we all believe that Jafar is the weak point of this movie. So I think if we focus up on that, we can still make the movie better.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The tough part I think for me is like okay, uh, we're going to make Jafar better, but like how do I do that in a way that's just not making his, it
2: like the original cartoon? <laughs> his I mean, but also like his wand could work. That'd be a good start.
1: Yeah, that would that would definitely be If uh, his wand a did start. anything
2: cool at any point.
1: Um, I think
0: yeah. yeah, I think that it would be interesting if at the beginning Jafar's kind of got the kingdom on lock. He's sultan in all but name, but that's still not good for good enough for him. And He's part of the reason why Jasmine is having woes with her father because she's being like kept in the palace and she's not allowed to go out and she's being told to stay in her place and whatnot because that's what Jafar wants and he's doing that through the Sultan who's under his control. And it's only after Aladdin gets involved that Jafar's control starts to slip. I think that would be an interesting way to allow him to demonstrate his power early on and not seem so impotent early on.
2: Yeah, I'd agree. And also, I think we we talked about this a bit ahead of time uh, at the beginning too. But like, really, maybe beefing up the, sort of the the myth of the cave of wonders, mm-hmm. uh, giving giving us some sort of meaningful background to that, I think would have would have added a lot, uh, world building and mystery as well. Also, maybe this is maybe I'm being pedantic, but the I, I get that you're not supposed to take anything but the lamp, but like the physical act of putting two hands on it is what constitutes taking it. I feel like was maybe a rule that should have been, and I then was, again, I guess G- genie rules are gray area. I just like, I'm like, he's just holding it. Like he hasn't, he didn't like try to take it. He's
0: just well, holding it. And, uh, further to that, like I was joking, the cave of wonders says, touch nothing but the lamp as they go in. And then carpet and, uh, a boot, promptly touch everything like yeah. they're knocking down coins they're landing in piles of stuff and it's like okay so I guess it's okay to touch the forbidden treasure after all because everyone <laughs> yeah. everyone has touched it at this point like Aladdin's touching yeah. it as he's climbing up the the way um so yeah it was it was also a little unclear what constitutes taking it when yeah. uh, Abu took the gem and then the cave decided at that point okay you've been touching that gem too long now you're officially yeah. taking it um, <laughs> and how does carpet not count as treasure in the cave of wonders like it's a flying carpet I it's got free will i guess
1: i don't know i don't understand um the purpose of the diamond in the rough um part of it like like aladdin's the the diamond in the rough i get like i get that but like i don't know i just don't it just doesn't i don't I don't know. I don't. It, it I, seems weird that they, that the cave demands a specific person. Like presumably, yeah, it's got the weird ca- chosen one energy. Yeah, like yeah, you don't The cave's been around for mm-hmm. like you know thousands and thousands of years. Like, is there like one per generation? Like, how does that or or is it like? Do they do they have yeah, to meet some rules. moral standard or whatever? Yeah, my <laughs> my argument, is yes, it's it's Milnor,
2: it's Milnor's <laughs> rules.
0: My argument is that that's maybe a holdover from the original cartoon, and even it's exactly then, it's it is. even then it's oh, 100% it is. what it's yeah, about. And
1: I, I think I think fixing that maybe maybe might be a little bit of fun. Just well, and it's um, easy because like because like, you can you can introduce like um, uh, the thieving into that part of it, like perhaps the the bracelet that. Aladdin steals from uh, uh, Jasmine, Jasmine is one half of like because in the in the original cartoon it they the it's you need two halves of a jewel in order to open up the the, the scarab Wonders. yeah the scarab right so like if it was like if he stole the bracelet and the bracelet was part of the two halves. And that's why Jafar goes after Aladdin because he's got the other half of the thing that he needs. Then you are then you can easily put everyone in the right spot at the right time when, you, you know... Without needing and the that. diamond
0: in the rough prophecy. And
1: the reason why yeah. the diamond in the rough
0: prophecy doesn't need to be a thing is Jafar could have been sending people into the cave for years and they just keep touching the forbidden treasure. It's not that yeah. the cave wants a specific dude. It's that the cave is itself a trap and anybody who touches the forbidden treasure dies... Uh, but Aladdin, like Jafar throws the dice on Aladdin because Aladdin gave back Jasmine's jewelry. So maybe he can resist the temptation to touch the forbidden treasure and get me the lamp. And so he's just the next in a line of, of idiots who's being sent into the cave on the hopes that maybe this guy's the one guy who won't touch the forbidden treasure. And then Aladdin doesn't until the monkey does. (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah
2: no. <laughs> yeah i think i think hard cut the the diamond in the rough thing that definitely stuck right out
1: i alternatively it could just be that like once <clears throat> once uh jafar f like, they, they you, jafar never has has never reached the cave of wonders before up up until um he catches Aladdin with the other half of the scarab and then he takes him to the, the spot where supposedly the cave of wonders is, and it rises out of the sand the way it does in the, in the original cartoon. I mean, I'm that down with work. that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that works yeah. as I well. I mean, like, I think I think either of those kind of work. I like your idea, Scott, that like he thinks Aladdin's the diamond in the rough because of his actions, which kind of plays with um, him being more than just a thief, which is a definite theme of the whole of of Aladdin, right? Like yeah. he's he's dying to show off that he's something other than a uh, other than just a thief, right? so that tracks too
0: yeah anything else about Jafar's plot that that we think we can we can tighten up
1: well I would take away the his need to murder some other random city that we never see yeah that's uh, that's an easy that's an easy fix
2: Yeah, power power for power's sake works just fine here. I don't think he needs, like... We don't need his step two of go He's kind of like
1: a a snidely whiplash um, kind of villain anyway. Uh, It doesn't... Yeah, like, he's a mustache twirler, right? So I don't know that I need a whole lot more.
2: Yeah. I actually had a fix to to fix one of the things we pointed out in the beginning that, um, I I guess... we, we chalked it up to it being genie-wish gray area, but the fact that none of the soldiers follow Jafar when he becomes um, sultan because they're like, well, we just saw you, like, you know, usurp it. Like, no. Um, they established that thing of, like, when Aladdin pretends to be a prince, everybody has to, like, they see what they are told to see, kind of. Like, it's got that, like, they're going to see a prince because that's what the magic is presenting. Uh, and I sort of thought that's where it was going to go with the Jafar thing. Um, so maybe just to make not make that first wish such a dud would be to have them be like, no, we, we see a sultan. I don't know what you're, t- like, unless there's sort of a mind-washing thing. I agree, um, actually. I think you could have even played it both
0: ways. I think it would have been interesting if Hakim and the guards immediately start obeying Jafar because as far as they're concerned, he's the sultan because of genie magic. But you had yeah. you had hit upon the idea that the genie's powers can't change the way a person's heart feels. And it would be Mm -hmm. interesting if Hakeem obeyed Jafar's orders to the letter, but then once they got down to the dungeon or something, he then breaks the spirit of them and lets, like, Jasmine and the Sultan go because he does not love Jafar, he just has to obey Jafar. And I think that would have been interesting, like, an interesting way to play it both ways. Like, yeah, the guards are now... Obeying their new sultan, but on the other hand, they don't like him. and They like you, and they're going to kind of bend the rules a little on your behalf. So I, you can, I'd even, you can still have it kind of both ways, and I think that would have been interesting. Yeah. And, it, I, and, I, and, I, and I, as you I, say, it wouldn't have made the first wish a dud.
2: Yeah, I've I've gone back to the 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 staff doesn't work joke well a couple times, but genuinely, I also think if if it was a bit of a, a sort of a brainwashing thing where they're like, he's the. Um, He's the sultan, we see the sultan. Um if that was just like it was sort of foreshadowed that like a couple times he brainwashes people with his staff and then the second he gets a moment of power, he's doing everybody who looks at him sideways.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like we've uh, we fixed some of the
1: problems that we identified. Yeah, Indeed. I don't uh, <clears throat> like like we said like it's not a, it's not a a really bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. I the the only other thing I would I would fix and I mentioned this in the in the watch party chat is like the I I I don't like these overproduced special effect shots. Like there there's so much going on in these shots that it's really hard for my eye to know what to focus on. Yeah, we've we've mentioned it like on
0: previous episodes too
1: yeah i and i it was really on display in this particular movie and i would i would love it if they would have just dialed that stuff back a little bit like the uh the the sequence where um the genie first pops out and we get that dance number while the you know the the song and the dance is is fun like it's so there's so much happening that just like it it hurts my eyes if you in comparison the uh the fir- the original song, like most of it's played against a solid color background. You yeah, know? <laughs> so You well, get and- a real good idea of what what the genie is doing and all his, uh, you know, like, you know, as taken as a still, those shots may look nice, but like, there's there's they're so dense that it's just it's it's difficult. in well, my eye, to like separate everything
0: taken as a still, you have the opportunity to take it all in. Um, I actually mm-hmm. noticed it during. Uh, during a whole new world uh, the number whole new world Well, Mm they're magic carpeting all through all of the CGI landscapes and everything is just so so eye-catching that it was just like watching Ready Player One all over again I didn't know what to look at like am I supposed to look at the beautiful waterfall or the beautiful water or the beautiful trees or the beautiful birds or the beautiful moon like it's uh, nothing's in focus because everything is in focus and it's distractingly so so you you miss it all um and and they didn't overuse cgi in a lot of other places too because clearly the palace was a practical set clearly they built like a town like they they could have done that more and they didn't and it makes me sad
2: (laughs) I, uh, i i again i chalk that up maybe to uh the fact that this was in 3d Um, I just generally am on a campaign against 3D movies. Uh, If anyone is, yeah. When is that fad going to go away again? Yeah, which which movie?
0: I said, when is that fad going to go away again? Well, maybe
2: maybe maybe COVID.
1: Yeah, (laughs) take care of it because like not as many people are going to be in the theaters. Yeah, just
2: theaters all together was the only way to end 3D movies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, sweet. We've uh, mentioned uh, our watch party a few times. I do want to take this opportunity to remind folks you can join us uh, on our watch parties. We uh, will post about them on our social media feeds, uh, Facebook and Twitter at I Have Some Notes. Uh, tend to be Thursdays. Um, Usually but, around 9 o'clock-ish. Yeah, Thursdays at 9, uh, unless otherwise posted, uh, on our on our uh social medias Uh, it's also where you can post your listener comments which I think we can jump right into uh, and working just it's all all right there Uh, Chantel Bear says I will definitely jump on this opportunity to watch it well Uh, Chantel you you should have come and joined us for the watch party (laughs) that's why I did them all in one breath (laughs) (laughs) yes we'd we'd, uh, uh, love it if you all join us especially when I don't always make it uh, (laughs) because I take a nap
1: (laughs) I used to watch the movie. It's all good. Hey, look, uh, yeah, look, you know, the 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 quarantine has messed with everybody's <laughs> clock, right? So yeah. it's it's all good.
2: Uh, Andrew Craig says Jafar was just awful caps- casting, absolutely terrible, and I'm not sure exactly how to explain it, but every song sounded like it was trying to navigate around the previous version. They all sounded like not the song I loved for decades. I did like the change to Jasmine's arc. Um, I like the way he phrases that. Um uh, navigate around the previous version. Like, it was, like... It's not a cover or an adaptation. It's just, like... <laughs> yeah. I, I understand the desire to want to kind of put your own stamp on it,
0: but, I mean, when you're dealing with such iconic music, sometimes you just kind of have to lean into it. And maybe that's... Maybe that's what they should have done here. Because I even said in the first half, like, all of the songs came out a little flat to me. Like, they didn't quite measure up to the cartoon originals. And like i feel like andrew craig here is saying basically the same thing like they're they should have maybe leaned into it a little more instead of trying to i don't know i don't know instead of coming up a little short i feel like they restrained themselves and they they didn't need to they should have gone bigger
2: dean welsh says don't make aladdin I mean, I gotta say, De- yeah. Sorry, <laughs> Dean. I've got one billion reasons why you might be wrong. Uh,
0: <laughs> you could you well, could easily say that about all of the Disney remakes, but the the fact yeah. is exactly what you just said, Liam. It it's it's a clear way to make money, and it's a proven way to make money.
1: I did watch no, oh, Can man. I for a second just like because I know that that's like that's a common refrain when you know uh, when we're talking about remakes is like, well, the studio's got to make money, but like. I would argue that if they pooled their resources I- enough into new IP that that would ultimately make them even more money because new IP uh will spread like wildfire the way that like a soulless remake won't like sure here's, yes here's, they made the, they they made a, a billion dollars off of this I get it I get it but yeah. like that like you know, what you're really looking to do is to uh, make the next, um, you know, Game of Thrones or or Star Wars or or something like that. You're looking you're looking for the next you're looking for the next franchise. And you don't do that with with something that, you know, patently exists already. And you certainly don't do it by taking that old movie and then just like wallpapering uh you know, live action actors over top of it. Well and I'll give you one thing
2: here's the thing though, is like this often gets phrased as like studios are lazy studios this but they're giving people what we've told them they want. And it's the same thing with three D movies. They keep making them because people keep paying and going to them. It's not like they're like Nobody forced a billion dollars in ticket sales of Aladdin to happen it was something the people wanted and so i, I i've i've completely cons- resigned myself to the fact that like p- people want what they've seen before and we're, there's always going to be some level of this in popular oh, media yeah. here's oh, yeah. like yeah here's, i just, just think it, like it's the, up to, to us the, to vote with our dollars and not to the, the, the
1: level yeah. that they're to the level that they're doing it these days like because there's you know it, you know it, it's you look at the movie slate especially during the summertime and mm-hmm. it's all sequels or remakes like a hundred percent of them right and like that that in and of itself is just because like because we tells me it. that like nobody's nobody's ha- has any uh, any des- you know? No studios have any real desire to f- to find the next really good IP. Because and th- and the reason for that is like a because it's difficult, and b because you would have to you you have to make multiple multiple movies. You have to basically like just like load up your uh, revolver with as many bullets as you can and just like keep firing until something uh, hits pay dirt. Right? Well, I um, think it's just
2: that we haven't given them the reason. We've shown them that we'll we'll show up to like. Yeah, it, I, I, I blame the consumer mostly I, for this, not, mm-hmm. not the studios. I also blame the consumer, I, uh, but for different reasons.
0: Um, <laughs> Greg, you are correct. Uh, coming up with new IP is difficult and it's risky, and that's why studios are more likely to try to go with something safer and proven. Liam, you're correct. People vote with their dollars, and they have voted for remakes and remasters for several years. The problem is, have you noticed that they never have anything good to say about them? People don't know what they want. They keep saying (laughs) they want these remakes and they keep going out and spending a billion dollars to watch them. And then they go home and they go on the Internet and they do nothing but complain about them and talk about how they're not as good as the original. Talk about how the new Star Wars movies, which made a billion dollars, are terrible. People don't know what they want. They say they want more of the same and then they complain that it's not the same because it's not the same it can't be the same the the thing that you love already exists and no sequel no remake no remaster is going to be the same as that thing and people legitimately don't know what they want and they spend their money very poorly
2: they make poor choices <laughs> yeah i this might seem very cynical of me but i the more and more i've you know look at this over the years i think the the loud people on the internet or even the thoughtful people on the internet like us are m- much fewer and far between than just like hungry mouths that want entertainment and we're more than happy to like, one more please, this is the weekend for new movie, bah. like, I, I really think we're just, it's 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 the same reason McDonald's has one billion serve, people just, yeah. Because people I, like, like stuff look, that's look, easy.
1: Look, yeah. as, as, as someone... Who loves safe and familiar like I know that better than anybody else like like I you know during the pandemic like I could have spent a lot of time watching new movies and things like Mm -hmm. that but I spent most I've spent most of it so far watching the Simpsons and Star Trek the next generation yeah (laughs) and like so I I, uh, like I like safe and familiar but like the things that I get really excited about in in movies is um, is a, is a movie that shows me something something new, something like uh, I you know I wanna I wanna I wanna go I wanna go to a movie and feel and feel surprised and and get attached to new characters and get excited about um, uh, the a new a new set of world building and things like that right and and that's just not what I'm getting from blockbuster affairs these days. That's you right. know. Yeah. And like you're never you're never going to get another cultural phenomenon like uh, a Back to the Future or a <laughs> uh or like a Ghostbusters or something like that where it's like it's a you know, it's ostensibly not a palatable affair for from a blockbuster a blockbuster perspective. Like they like like do you like if Black, Back to the Future didn't happen, would it would it be made today? I kind of argue it wouldn't. Probably not. Uh, because, however, because it doesn't have any of the elements that studios are looking for, it doesn't have big action or anything like that. It's about a guy who goes back into the past to to save his parents been, or whatever, I mean, to, making sure his parents f- fall in love. Like it's not, you know, it's it's just not something that like that uh, any uh, like a a soulless executive at Disney would look at and be like, "That's the script for me." I agree with you and I kind
0: of disagree with you because there have been original quote unquote movies that have come out in the past few years that do linger in the pop culture. They're they're few and far between. Frozen. Yeah. But I'll I'll cite Guardians of the Galaxy right now.
2: Frozen would uh, be my, my my other
1: Yeah, the the animated movies are kind of like on a, a world on their own. Like the like that's the kind of like the one place where like it feels like um, original scripts are allowed to f- thrive, and I and and even that's sort of disappearing because Pixar is making mostly sequels these days, and and uh, and not as many um, original films, which is kind of a disappointment. But like, I don't know, for some reason, animated uh, films are, are just a little bit different. Uh, animated films and, are and expected if anything, to be a they, little sh- more. they show you like the, the the ability for like that kind of stuff is still you know. It can still make a lot of money. Pixar yeah. makes a ton of money.
0: Uh, animation is less risky uh, and is generally geared towards the younger audience where you can be a little more imaginative and not have to worry. And, I mean, if a new animated film comes out from Pixar, or from Disney for that matter, uh, parents are going to bring their kids to it. It doesn't have to be good. Yeah. Parents will bring their kids to it. So yeah, it's a it's a little less risky. Uh, a place mm-hmm. to try out a new idea. But again, back to my my original one, which was Guardians of the Galaxy, that was a huge risk. It was very different from any of the other superhero stuff that they'd done, with a cast of nobodies, like not recognizable characters at the time, with a director who was a little unproven at that time as well, and they hit it out of the park, and people are still talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. It changed the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was such a, a departure that was so successful, it it retroactively started changing other marvel movies and yeah so like there is room for it even in the blockbuster space for you to take a gamble on a new ip and and for it to make a splash
2: yeah yeah let's uh we'll keep the keep the comments moving here because <laughs> yeah we the we,
0: show, we like got that. off on a way
2: huge that was great down. that all that from uh from don't, don't make a latin <laughs> that was three three words uh that was great Uh, Nathan Martin uh, Doesn't do it in three words I don't know if it's going to inspire The way the last one did No just kidding Uh, Nathan Martin says Damn I missed this one I don't know how But I did And now I'm sad But I got a notification That I'm now a top fan on Facebook So there's So that's cool Uh, Are you a top fan of Aladdin? I don't know how it's taken
1: Nathan Martin that long To become our top fan on Facebook Oh fair enough (laughs)
2: I I was
0: I was thinking that he was The top fan of Aladdin On Facebook for a second (laughs) Which was really impressive For
2: someone who apparently Hadn't seen the movie (laughs) (laughs) Uh, tack says shift the story to genie make his limitations more clear and have it be about him manipulating aladdin and the events of the story maybe feign that he's chaotic trickster before revealing he wants freedom but has learned not to trust anyone um i I kind of like this
1: idea like i i think this is a really interesting perspective to take that like the idea to me that like uh, the genie is a bit more menacing and a bit more manipulative. And that way he has he has an arc to become, you know, a, a better person throughout the film. I think that would actually be kind of fun. Yeah. Well, and it would be interesting to juxtapose that with the fact that kind of
0: Aladdin's journey in the movie is also to be a better person in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's already a pretty good person, but like to learn to trust in himself and be himself is kind of his story. And that that... Being transposed from the genie's perspective might be an interesting way to take it, and might have been yeah. the way to make this movie stand on its own as as different. Yeah, than it the might
1: original. it might change Aladdin's character quite a bit in order to have you know a proper contrast between the two or or something like that. That, so. but that yeah,
0: said, uh, if you shift the story to genie, the movie is no longer Aladdin. Yeah, because there's a reason yeah, genie in the yeah factor. the movie becomes genie. Because oh, yeah. there's a reason Aladdin is the name on the marquee. It's because he's the main character. It's about his story. So if you shift it to genie, it's not really Aladdin anymore. Is is my only point to that?
1: Yeah, yeah his I version mean,
2: of "Never Had a Friend Like Me" sucks. <laughs> when it's the other <laughs> way around,
1: he's
2: yeah, just it making be, apples it appear. Be the
1: first time that a movie's like made a lateral move on a character like that when entering in their remake, I think so. Yeah, agreed though.
2: Sweet. Well, that's uh, that's been uh, our notes on Aladdin. Uh, good good job, uh, Disney. We approve. No, uh, <laughs> you may continue to make movies. I mean, you, I, you have signed off.
0: I saw Beauty and the
2: Beast's remake, and it was eh. Uh, and Aladdin Jungle was Books definitely better. Slaps. I, I I will I will go to bat for the John Favreau Jungle Book every time, and then I have seen no other ones. Fair enough. But the, Aladdin was definitely better than Beauty and the Beast. I'll I'll say that. Nice.
1: I had actually forgotten that they'd done the Jungle Book, too.
2: <laughs> it's great. I highly recommend. And the songs the songs hold up. They only do the two you need, and they're great. Okay. Um, but that's for another podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at I Have Some Notes. You can find our podcast feed at IHaveSomeNotes.com. If you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really helps us out.
0: You can also find our episodes on the CKUA radio app. Download it from the Apple App Store right now. And remember, check out all our sibling shows over at Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB at
1: albertapodcastnetwork.com. We post new episodes every damn week now. So tune in to, or a week from now, for Alita Battle Angel.
0: Uh, For the record, on our show notes, it says Alita Battle Angel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for calling me out. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, it just jumped out at me, and it was very funny. I probably deserved it, so it's all good.
2: It it just jumped out at me, and it was very funny. All right. Uh, Well, I've been your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois.
1: I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching, this guys.
2: For flying carpets. This episode of I Have Some Notes is brought to you by InVentures Unbound, the ultimate platform for innovators, investors, and industry to share, inspire, and interconnect virtually. Even in these times of distancing, connection and innovation are more important than ever. InVentures Unbound is brought to you by Alberta Innovates to ensure that investors have opportunities to connect with ideas, investors, and industries from within our borders and reaching far beyond. Join the launch of the virtual community with live stream events on June 3rd and 4th. The opening keynote is renowned neuroscientist Tally Sherritt, who will speak on how innovators and investors can harness optimism and vastly improve their decision-making skills. Other topics due for a deep dive will include smarter cities, vibrant communities, healthier living, broader thinking, agriculture in the technology age, and innovation of work. And you won't want to miss the all-out live stream pitch battle event. If you have a pass to Inventures 2020, you already have access to all of Unbound's goodies. If you'd like access to just Unbound, there's a pass at inventurescanada.com.